What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Geno Time Podcast here on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. We are brought to you by Bet Online. My name is Tom Westerholm. I'm joined today by Chris Granham. Granham, how you doing, man? Pretty good, pretty good. Lots of extension talk to do. We've uh, let's get to it. Yeah, so we've been uh, we've been slacking the last week a little bit. We had uh, a lot of stuff come up for pretty much everybody involved with the podcast. So we are uh, a little bit behind, but we did want to just kind of do a catch up episode. I mean, there's a lot of things have happened since we last recorded. So I think number one, the biggest thing that we should talk about is Rob Williams' extension. Rob gets four years, $54 million, really good value, I think, for everybody involved, both for Rob, who gets some long-term flexibility and, you know, quite frankly, some life-changing money, as well as the Celtics, who get a potential, like, if Rob stays healthy, I mean, this is about as value a deal as the Celtics could hope for if he, if he can stay on the court. Yeah, obviously it's a it's a big if, as we've seen with his durability issues over the last couple of years. But man, if he can stay healthy, it's a tremendous deal from the Celtics perspective. I also think it's a good deal from Rob Williams perspective, because I was always a little worried that he wasn't going to go the extension route here. He was going to kind of bet on himself. And I was worried, as you should be with Rob Williams, that he was going to get hurt and he could potentially lose that life changing money that he got or maybe end up getting much less than he ultimately got. So I think it's great for Rob Williams that he could get his bag. I, I love to see that. But also for the Celtics, you bet on that upside that you've seen with Robert Williams, which is a ton of value, like really, really good. And this deal is just kind of a steal. I really, I really think it's great value if he does stay healthy. And it's very clear that the Celtics were willing to bet on that upside more than the injury risk. And I think that's smart because you've seen what Robert Williams can really do for the dynamic of this roster. Yeah, absolutely. And I think when you start looking around at some of the deals that other guys kind of similar to him got, this isn't even close to like Clint Capella money, right? Like the truth is like Rob has the potential to be Clint Capella and better. Like, I think he has the potential to be better than Clint Capella where, you know, he can be a rim protector. He can be that super explosive shot blocker who can be super explosive around the rim, but he's also such a good passer. Just there's a lot to his game that I, I think the Celtics can really take advantage of. And I really like the fact that the Celtics have a couple of bigs now who can run the show at the top of the key. The Celtics played through Rob quite a bit last season. They, you know, just give him the ball and kind of let things develop. Obviously, you know, Rob isn't going to be your star player, but he can be your initiator for your stars. And when Brad talks all summer about guys who can make your stars better, you know, guys, guys who can make your stars better are the, it's like pretty much the only thing they talked about all year was, was, was trying to get guys like that. Rob can be that guy. You know, he does provide the the vertical spacing that freaks teams out. He does provide, you know, a modicum of, of, of rim protection, and we can get into his defense in a little bit. I think there's some real value there for the Celtics as well. But just offensively, the fact that they now have uh, Rob and Al Horford, two guys who can really pass and who can do stuff from the top of the key. Obviously, Rob can't shoot like Al, but he might be a better passer. I mean, that's like just a home run. I, I mean, really... I, I, I'm, I'm happy, like you said, I'm happy for both sides because I, I'm happy, like mostly for Rob, that he gets this money, that he gets this security, but also it, like, this is really good for the Celtics and it, it's going to be fun to watch Rob for a while. I, I'm, I'm excited that this came together and that we get a chance to see how this is going to unfold. Yeah. It was kind of one of those meet in the middle deals, you know, cause obviously Rob Williams party probably wanted more. The Celtics probably wanted less, whatever. And so they met in the middle. And I think it's a fair deal for both sides. And like you said, as Brad Stevens, Emi Odoka, everyone always says, this is kind of about making the lives of Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum easier, right? Every move the Celtics do for the time being should have that in mind. That's just the way they kind of have to operate. And this move does just that. And 
So does extending Marcus Smart. You know what I mean? These these are moves that do, you know, help the, I guess you could say the outlook for Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown over the next couple of years. They played through Robert Williams a lot last year, like you said, against some pretty good defenses down the stretch too. That was not something we saw even remotely as a possibility when they drafted him out of Texas A&M. He was that rim runner, really raw, super athletic, you know, leaper, but I didn't foresee him being the passer he's turned into. I didn't foresee the Celtics already being able to run the offense through him. So that's a major plus. The Al Horford side-by-side is really cool because now you do have those two bigs that you can run the offense through. And obviously Brad Stevens isn't the coach anymore, but you know how much Brad Stevens does like to do that. And I think there's a lot of similarities between Brad Stevens and Emi Odoka. So you could see plenty of that this year, but the fact that they can do that with two separate bigs is kind of great for the Celtics. Like it adds that nice level of versatility where you can go to your bench and run the offense through another big as you were just doing with maybe your starting unit or something like that. And so I think that's a huge plus. I love it when they do run the offense through Robert Williams. Like his passing has come so far in the last couple of years. And I think a lot of it comes to the classic line of the game has slowed down from a bit. You can kind of tell, but really it like really has because it brings a whole nother element to the Celtics game and they need guys that they can run the offense through that aren't, you know, those ball dominant guys. And so I think getting Rob Williams locked up for the next couple of years makes a lot of sense in that regard alone. Defensively. I think this is what the Celtics are building is really interesting. So mm. one of the things that Rob really struggled with last year and, you know, throughout his career, he's not a, he's not a stay in front of you type big man, right? Like he's a, He's a, he's a let you get a step and then recover and swat your shot off the glass kind of big man, which isn't statistically like the most effective defensive big man. Like, obviously, you want a guy who can kind of slide his feet a little bit. I think that's what, you know, obviously makes Rudy Gobert so talented defensively as much as I, you know, kind of rag on him. He's like the reason he's so good defensively is because he he is a little bit better at moving his feet than somebody like Rob. And, and sure, like I think in the in the playoffs, defenses can still pick on Gobert, but certainly not to the extent that they probably could with Rob. The good news for the Celtics is the team they've assembled now. I mean, you look at some of these lineups they can put out there, smart insert, whatever point guard, you know, whatever guard you want, whether it's for Josh Richardson, Dennis Schroeder, Jalen and Tatum and Rob, those are four guys who can stay in front of their, their man relatively well and kind of keep that guy out of the paint, keep that guy away from Rob so that when they don't do that, it's not like Rob is the focal point of the defense. He's the stopgap if things break down. And I think that's really important for Rob. I think it's really important for the Celtics defense, which was kind of middle of the pack last year, but it, it did fall off quite a bit. You know, if Ime Udoka is trying to build a defensive team, I like that Rob has four solid defenders around him and then he can be that, you know, that last kind of line against drivers getting to the rim. I, I think that's going to make a big difference. Yeah, I think that'll help Rob develop as a defender too, because in a lot of situations last year, again, we've talked about it a bunch, but it felt like their defense was terrible when realistically, numbers-wise, it, it wasn't that bad. And Brad Stevens would often correct people. What'd they finish? Were they top 10? Uh, well, I'll take a look. They were like low teens, right? Certainly in the top half. Right. So there was a couple stints there where it just felt like they were horrific. And Rob Williams was often like the cleanup guy where there'd be those perimeter breakdowns and he would only be that last wall of defense. You know what I mean? And he's pretty good at recovering. Like, yeah, he's not always the most disciplined defender as he gets drawn away from the hoop, but he's so long and athletic that even though he's, you know, not always great at sliding with his defender or staying disciplined and staying down, like he's so big, he's actually gotten better at recovering a little bit. But now, like you said, you surround him with, three to four really, really solid defenders. It can allow him to more develop in his role. That's something that is going to make life a lot easier for him, a lot easier for Ime Odoka. 
because if he can just be, yes, that last wall of defense, but also just the super athletic rim protector that he's really meant to be, I think it adds a ton of value. So if he can improve continuously in that area, that's going to help. And I think this year's roster will allow him to do that. Yeah, so the Celtics gave up 112.6 points per 100 possessions last year. That was 12th in the NBA. The interesting thing, and this is something I've been tracking for a few years now. So the Celtics last year, um, and so I guess two years ago now, in 2019-20, they had the number four defense. They gave up 106.7. So they gave up six points per 100 possessions more. That that is a lot. The interesting thing, like so per cleaning the glass, both years, the Celtics just had catastrophic win differentials, which is basically the difference between their points per 100 possessions and their points allowed per 100 possessions. Like, they lost way more games than they should have based on those numbers. And I don't totally right. know what to make of that. Like, it's been that way for a couple of years now. Like, this last year, they were 27th in win differential. They should have won three and a half more games than they did. The year before, they should have won three more games than they did. Like, I don't totally get (laughs) what that means or like if that means anything at all, but it is weird. And then the year before that, they were 27th. So I don't, I don't know. That's a weird stat. It is a weird stat. I I fully expect their defense to be pretty damn solid this year. And if they, if it isn't, something went horribly wrong. Like they have so much versatility defensively, much more than most of the teams they're going to go up against. And that's, I think it's going to be fun. Because now they can go to their bench and still have that defensive versatility, which is something where on paper last year, you would have looked and said, all right, this team could be pretty good defensively. But when you went into their depth chart, you're like, oh, this is this is rough. Now it actually goes kind of up and down the roster. So there's some nice there's some nice defensive skill sets in there. So the another guy, another extension that we should get into here is we got uh, Josh Richardson got a one year deal, just an extension off what he has. He's making about 12 million. Basically, this brings him up to 24 million over the next two years is the way that his agent sold it to Woj. This deal makes a lot of sense just in every aspect, especially now that the Celtics are no longer basically, like I I think early in the summer, it seemed like the Celtics were trying to position themselves to have max cap space next off season. And I think when it became clear that they couldn't, it seems like obviously they pivoted really well. They put themselves in a position to still acquire a max guy, whether that's via sign and trade or whatever it might be. I mean, they have a million different avenues to do that in terms of their, their roster now. The Richardson thing I think is really interesting because now what they can do is they can, if they want to just pile picks onto a deal for somebody, they can do it without trading smart. You know, Al Horford plus Josh Richardson equals Bradley Beal Supermax extension money. If you need to, you know, whatever picks you need to throw on top of that, perfect. Like to me, the Richardson extension is really good because the other thing, maybe they aren't going to get, you know, a max free agent next offseason, or maybe, you know, whatever team they're trading with, you know, is demanding that they trade Marcus Smart or else, you know, or else no deal. If Josh Richardson has a good season, he's on the books for another year and the Celtics have his early bird rights for the next season. Again, I just think Brad has made some really good moves this offseason. And it's tough to give him like stuff to give him like an A triple plus because like the Celtics didn't turn themselves into contenders. But the type of positioning he did to, you know, kind of maneuver this team into like potential future contention status, I think is really good. I think it's a really smart move by the Celtics because you're right. Say Richardson goes back to that, I don't know if it was 20. 18, 2017 Miami value where he was really, really solid. I mean, this is a ridiculous value to get him at, right? And you bet on that upside, right? So that's great. Now you got him locked up for an extra year. On the other side, like you mentioned, it's very tradable. If you need to move someone, he now becomes a really nice tradable contract with some good value. Josh Richardson is a good player. He's a really good defensive player. He's shown some glimpses 
over the last couple of years offensively. Like I think it makes a lot of sense and locking him up to grab that certainty almost gives the Celtics more flexibility moving forward, which is what a lot of these moves have done. And I think you're right as they realize, okay, max cap space really isn't in the cards moving forward. It just makes far more sense to make some of these extensions happen and then add on that additional flexibility because that's what this does. And if you're Richardson too, like next year's market, next summer's market, I should say, is probably going to suck. There's not a lot of teams with a lot of cap space. So from Richardson's perspective, it also makes sense to grab this extra year. You're in a decent spot. You're not going to go into free agency next year and have like the magic trying to offer you a deal or something like that. Like it's probably a better spot for him to be in. And worst case for him is he gets moved in a trade. And that's probably more appealing than going into the crappy, you know, pretty weak market next summer. So similar, but different to the Robert Williams thing. It it does actually kind of make sense on both sides, in my opinion, just because I don't really think there was a play for Josh Richardson if he were to go into the open market next summer. He would have just landed in a crappy spot. Yeah, that and that is the thing that we should temper mildly the praise of Brad Stevens, because like these moves are all good. Also, some of these moves were a result of the situation that these guys found themselves in, yeah. right? Like that Rob, there there is real reason to be concerned about Rob's health and that the Celtics got to capitalize on that. And there is, you know, a crappy free agent market for somebody like Josh Richardson next offseason and the Celtics got to capitalize on that. So Brad deserves a lot of credit for having a vision and for then putting the Celtics in a position to execute that vision. But also, like you said, you know, but you, you got to take advantage of the situation in which you're in. And, and Brad did that. So credit to him for that. I think Richardson's going to be, Uh, like a really nice piece for the Celtics this season. Obviously the last two seasons he has struggled. And I think that Mm -hmm. is worth noting that like Richardson was a really good player in Miami and defensively, he just has not been the same guy like the last two seasons. Now it's tough, right? Because the Philadelphia team was a complete catastrophe. Like everything about them was bad. Like they just, you know, they fell apart. And I think in Dallas, Richardson was asked to do a lot of things that he couldn't really do. And and that's tough. Like, and I think, you know, being a good defender, a lot of the time is about being a part of a good system where you, you know, you feel good, where you feel like you're, you're in a, you're in a position to succeed. And I certainly seems like Richardson didn't feel that way in Dallas. So I mean, we'll see. I still, I think either way, this is good value for the Celtics because like we said at the top, this can be a perfect placeholder in a bigger trade. I mean, that that's the real value in this deal. I think like Richardson can be a good player. Brad Stevens, every time he talks about Richardson, like, or he talks about the off season, he really talks about Richardson. He seems yeah. excited to have that guy on his team. Seems like a guy that Brad's going to like having on the roster, even if he isn't good even if he's much more the player that he was in Philly and Dallas than he was the player in Miami, the Celtics still have that extra maneuverability cap-wise with him on the team. I agree, though. I think Richardson makes a lot more sense in this team's dynamic and this team's roster than in Dallas. Like, Dallas wanted him to do a lot of things offensively that he just doesn't necessarily have in his bag every single night, where on a defensive-minded roster like this, I think he brings much more value. Dallas, at least the last couple years... They're not really a uh, stout defensive team, to put it politely. So that's not really a role that I could see him flourishing in, whereas this roster, I think, makes a lot of sense for him. So if he's asked to do a lot defensively and maybe have that minimized offensive role compared to what he's been asked to do in the last couple of years, that could help him a lot. It could take a little bit of the weight offensively off his shoulders, which I think could benefit him quite a bit. But yeah. I just think they're in a good spot with him. And and again, if he does perform closer to that 2018 Miami value, I mean, Celtics are in a really good spot with that. And I, th- I think they could end up wanting to keep him around. But trade-wise, again, his name's going to come up quite a bit over the next year or two just because 
he's got a good, you know, salary matching option here. And I just think he's going to be involved in quite a bit of speculation moving forward. These guys can get moved, what, mid-January and beyond, right? Yep, exactly. Yeah, I mean, if you look at Dallas's roster last year, it's a tough roster. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, yeah. I, you know, I kind of knew that intellectually, but I had never, like, taken a look at it, at the names in the order that they are. And it's, uh, it's not what you want per se. There's a reason they went and grabbed Josh Green. They were like, we need someone who likes defense on yes, this team. Seriously. I, I like where Richardson's going to be on this roster, where he is, even if he is expected to be like, what, the, the, the fifth, sixth, seventh best player on the team, the other players around him are so clearly better than him that it's like, uh, that it's, it's a more comfortable, like five, six, seven than it was on the Mavericks. You know, there's yeah. like, yes, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, Marcus Smart, you know, Rob Williams, like these are all better players and much more important impact players than, than Josh Richardson. And I think that will play to his advantage. I totally agree. So last couple of things here. I think the one concern that a lot of people have, and and I I think it's very valid, is that the Celtics don't have a ton of offensive creation, even with all of these new additions. And offensive creation matters a whole lot in the NBA and really matters with the Celtics. Like the last couple of seasons, when Kemba Walker struggled, the Celtics had a lot of trouble initiating offense even with the level of offensive talent they have and obviously some of that was due to injuries like you know when when only one of your best players is on the floor of course you're going to struggle to initiate offense but Tatum is really good Jalen is really good and after that it's like who's who's initiating things for you maybe it's Schroeder right like maybe like he's just a speedy point guard who can get to the rim and collapse the defense like he 100% could have kind of a bounce back year although again I, I think that Schroeder like Richardson may have had some inflated expectations on him mm-hmm. in LA. I mean, if you look at his yeah. numbers, they are pretty much identical to his career numbers in LA. Yeah. You know, I think maybe uh, maybe the Lakers mafia had uh, a little bit too much expectation on him, but he does bring some some initiation. And, you know, you look around like Peyton Pritchard could have a really good season. If, if he plays well, That that's a huge difference for the Celtics. But it's a very valid concern to be like, who else is going to create offense on this team besides Tatum and Jalen? And if something ends up kind of upending the Celtics season, I think it's probably going to be that I 100% agree I think that's why the Schroeder deal was a really big get for the Celtics because I think he's the third best scorer on this team right now third best creator at least outside of Jalen and Jason there's not a whole lot there and that's a totally valid concern because I don't really know who they turn to say they run into injury problems and then you're stuck with just one of those guys moving forward Uh, that's difficult offensively defensively this team's going to be just fine they're going to be able to stop the ball quite a bit They have a lot of versatility on that end of the floor. That's great. But there's a lot of concerns offense-wise with this depth chart. You're going to be relying on guys like Peyton Pritchard quite a bit, honestly. And if he plays like he did in Summer League, that's great. But I don't think he will. So that I I just, I don't know. I, I, I think it's a valid concern. And I don't think this team has a whole lot of offensive depth. And that's going to be the one big con going into this season with this roster just because there's not a whole lot there and maybe you have guys play above their level a little bit right guy like Schroeder could step up you have Al Horford who brings some nice things on the offensive end but he's not going to play every night like that's that's going to be the interesting side of the ball to watch and you know I think I think there is some potential for for Marcus Smart to to be an initiator just in terms of the fact that when he passes primarily he is so good like he's really good offensively when he does that and that could open up some things certainly However, and this kind of transition into the last thing that I wanted to talk about briefly, I will say that, like, if you want a reason for concern this season, right, it's that the Celtics are expected to be a really good defensive team that struggles to initiate things offensively 
which if that reminds you anything of the the 2019-20 also keep in mind that they have Josh Richardson and Al Horford on Andy Mayudoka. Andy Mayudoka. So there are some, you know, <laughs> some some Very comparison there, Tom. <laughs> you know, like there's some similarities there that I think could be uncomfortable for Celtics fans, but I think the last thing on that topic that's kind of interesting is, so as we started recording this, Shams Terrain, you put out his weekly-ish uh, roundup of, of NBA rumors, et cetera, in which he said that Ben Simmons, basically, it's a matter of, of when, not if, the, you know, the, the, he calls him the all-defensive team stalwart is moved. He said, for now, all signs continue to point to Simmons' career in Philadelphia coming to an end. He said, Philadelphia has its eyes set on Portland All-NBA guard Damian Lillard. Blazers have fully focused on continuing to build around Lillard. That's a funny one to me because, like, at this point, Simmons' trade value is nowhere near Damian Lillard. I, I am fascinated to see how that situation unfolds because, like, I think that Ben Simmons is pretty good and, you know, could still help a team and, you know, in the right scenario could still flourish. Certainly getting out of Philadelphia, I think, will help him quite a bit. But the idea that the Sixers are going to get, I mean, maybe they could get CJ McCollum like for, for Ben Simmons, but the idea that they're going to get even like a Bradley Beal, I'm just like, I don't know, man. I don't, I don't know if I see it. No, that's that value doesn't match up for me. And again, you're going to have to stack a lot. And I, I don't know. I just don't really see that happening. I could see Daryl Morey just doing anything he can, bringing in third teams, whatever he can do to try to get Lillard. But that's going to be a tough fix unless Dame were to push Portland into a corner, which I don't really foresee him doing right now. At least it doesn't seem like that's going to happen. So that's kind of why a while ago, all three of us said on the pod that it would make sense if Dame was still on Portland heading toward the trade deadline, and then it could ramp up around them. Like, I don't know. I just don't really see that making sense. The other one that Shams mentioned was the potential of the Timberwolves making a push for Ben Simmons, and that would need a third team. But looking at a pool of Malik Beasley, Jaden McDaniels, D'Angelo Russell, and then a third team, obviously you're going to probably need more than that to go get Ben Simmons. But that and a third team makes more sense to me than Damian Lillard. That's going to be really interesting, though, because I do think that the Sixers are one of the teams that the Celtics could. If you look at the Celtics with a very rosy, you know, kind of optimism for this season, I think there is a way to talk yourselves into them being the three or the four seed. And that's like their absolute ceiling. Like they're clearly not better than Milwaukee. They're clearly not better than Brooklyn. But like, you know, if Miami has an off year, if Philly has an off year and the Celtics overachieve a little bit, I think you could start talking yourself into this team a little bit. The Sixers are starting the year in turmoil. Whether they complete this trade or not, there is going to be some turmoil at the start of the season for the Sixers. And that only benefits the Celtics positioning. And again, I think it's really important for the Celtics to have a decent finish to the season. It's important that they don't disappoint this year as they're trying to like turn themselves into a place where a prospective free agent might want to play. Any struggles for the Sixers, any struggles for the Heat, any of that to me is is good news for the Celtics, honestly. Yeah, I totally agree. And I also think the Celtics just, I don't know if it's from media, fan base, whatever. It just feels like there's lower expectations going into this year, which could yeah. benefit them. You know what I mean? Like last year, it seemed like they were chasing these unrealistic goals that were set for them from the jump. And that's just a losing battle right away. Now, pressure's off a little bit. You can kind of... I don't know. You can kind of play a little more free. And you're right. The pressure is on teams like Miami and Philly. Any negativity that comes from those teams helps the Celtics case moving forward. But you're right. If they have a good season and they do all they can to make themselves an appealing option for some of these guys come next summer, that's that's ideal. So yeah, I agree. In terms of the standing outlook, like 
if you are looking at that ceiling, that's like a real rosy look at the of offense, right? Like, of course, yeah. I, I think I think the that is the best, 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 best possible scenario for the offense and health wise. You get a lot of these guys staying healthy, and of course, there's a reason it's a possibility because it is possible. So who knows? But it's all it all comes down to the creators offensively because I just I, that that worries me a little bit with this roster. It 100% should. I, I yeah, I should yeah. be clear that I'm not saying I think this team is going to be the three seed. I'm like, yeah, that, that is is clearly the the ceiling, right? Yeah. Like yeah, that's that's if if things go right, like you said, if Schroeder's really good, if if Peyton Pritchard takes a big step, which you know, like you said, he can't play Davion Mitchell every night, so <laughs> you know, you never know. All right, guys. Well, I think we can leave it there. We appreciate everybody who listens, everybody who's left us a rating or a review. You guys are the best. As always, you guys know where to find us. You guys know where to bring any questions, comments, or concerns. And we will talk to you all again later this week.